Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Oh, come on. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored uh, to be here. Uh, I will say, I think Stephen and Katie have been married longer than 20 years. Is that, is that right? 19. Okay. All right. We've known each other. Yeah. For, well, I think we're a little older than you think we are. <laughs> we're old, bro. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but like Stephen said, uh, if you've joined the church here in the last few years, I did speak three years ago. Uh, it was so good, they decided to wait three years to have me back. Um, um, but, you know, Stephen and I did ministry together at a summer camp called Brook Hill, which we got a few of our, our squad here today. Uh, so I, I love that. But uh, for 15 years, we did ministry together. And, and I got to watch, uh, he was the camp director, and so I was his assistant. And I got to watch God use him in such a powerful way. Kids got saved, discipled, and that's where I learned ministry. It was from watching the gifts and talents of what God uh, had placed uh, in Steve. And, and Steve is great and all, but when Katie came along, that's when the team really took off. Uh, seriously, you know, uh, first service was laughing. I was like, it's not really a joke. I really meant that. I really mean, um, you know, uh, be, uh, Stephen said this in first service. I don't think he said it today, but, you know, when you go by yourself, you can go faster, but when you go together, you can go farther. And I really liked when he said that, and it's so true. And, and I do want to tell you, you know, I know this couple. You know, it's not just all from the outside or they're great people. I know them. And when you know people, you know people, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, you, you know that. And, and I can honestly stand up here and say, this is the most genuine, Christ-loving, real, people-loving pastors that I know. That, I mean, they're my friends. And so uh, that's why I serve on the board here. And I want you to know you have a genuine couple here who has been called for such a time as this, for such a place as this. And so I want you to know, can we, can we give it up for them? I want you to know they're the real deal. They're the real deal. And so, and, and I look forward to speaking again in five years. So, um, I, I, I want y'all to know, honestly, I, I look forward to that. Um, let's go ahead and jump into this. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4, uh, verse 23 is the text that we are going to uh, speak from today. And it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Our heart determines the course of our life. And so Solomon says here, he, he, the wisest man ever lit, he said, it's so vital that we guard that thing, that we guard that thing. You know, I, I hear people say all the time, follow your heart. And, and I think it's such a funny statement because you can't avoid it. You're going to follow your heart. And so really follow your heart should never be the focus because that's, that's a reflex. That's going to happen automatically. What, the, the real statement should be guard your heart. Guard your heart because whatever gets in there, whatever it becomes full of, whatever, it, that, that is exactly where we're going to go. And so that is going to be my challenge for today. And I love what he said. He said, above all else. And I think that's a big part of that. Above all else. So sometimes there's going to be some reasons not to guard our, our heart. But Solomon says, above those reasons, guard it anyway. 
There's going to be some things that maybe justly we could hold on to in there. There may be some hurt that happens, and we're justified to be like, ah, that's staying in there. But, but he's saying above that, above wanting that to stay in there. See, I'm mad at that person, but above that anger, let's guard our hearts. See, I don't understand, God. I'm really confused right now. And this is, you know, I'm really wanting, you know, maybe forget God. Maybe I'm going to walk away. And Solomon says, above that, guard that heart because it's about to push you in a direction that you're, you don't really want to go. I can't see any hope for my future. And so I'm getting hopeless. Okay, above what we can or can't see, let's guard that because that's going to take us in a direction that we don't want to go. We've got to guard that. The word for today, if you're not sure what it is, is guard your heart. Guard your heart. Look at someone and say, guard your heart. I know this is kind of a quiet church, a little more traditional, a little more subdued, so we're going to have a little more fun today, kind of change it up. Um, You know, our hearts are a good thing. They're a good thing, but they'll take us out. Our hearts will mess us up. In fact, our hearts are the biggest liars in our life. (laughs) It's true. Our hearts are the biggest, how many of you like being lied, how many of you hate being lied to? Come on, you're alive, right? We hate being lied to. Guess what? We lie to us more. We lie to us more, our hearts, about situations. We lie, come on, we don't like drama, but what's funny is our heart puts more drama into the situation than was really there. Our heart starts drumming things up. We lay at bed at night and go, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, and we start building that bad boy up. Our heart just sits there and it, it spits out those good. Our hearts are good at it. They're, they lie. You know, they're mad at me. They're mad. You made that up. You made your heart, made that completely up based on how they looked at you or didn't look at you. You know, at 55 miles an hour, I saw you drive past me and you didn't look at me. 55 miles, I mean, like, I mean we, I'm serious, we laugh, we giggle, all that's really funny, it's really true. See, well, they, they don't really want me there anymore, they, they don't love me I- anymore. You know, what they said, what they didn't say, what they posted, what they liked, what they didn't like, what they shared, what they didn't share. We got all these games that are going on in our heart, and if we're not careful, those things will get in there and attach themselves and start taking us in a direction that we're like, how did I even get here? It's because our heart took us there. Our heart took us there. You know, I can't stand being lied to. The only problem is David Pate's the biggest liar to David Pate that there is. That's me, I'm David Pate. (laughs) You know, if you can think back, or maybe you're in the middle of this time in your life, but did you ever date someone that you shouldn't have? Did you ever go, what what in the world? You know, and it wasn't until I started dating Melissa that I was like, what was I thinking all these other times? You know, my, my wife of 20-something years here, it's crazy. You know, I've known her almost 20 years. Uh, uh, but, but, you know, our hearts will lie to us and say, you need them. Our hearts will tell, you know, they love Jesus. They went to church one time when they were five. So, yeah, they're a Christ follower. Yeah, go ahead. You know, uh, you can't be alone right now. Our heart will always lie to us and cause us to settle for things that God had more for us. Think about it. Our hearts lie. It's like a reflex. Bottom line is our hearts aren't good. Our hearts aren't good. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Listen to this real encouraging verse in Psalms 53. It says, only fools say in their heart there is no God. They are corrupt. Their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. 
God looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. But no, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. Really encouraging. I love Jeremiah or uh, Matthew 15, 18. But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slanders. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? The bottom line is our hearts without Jesus aren't going in a good natural direction. I always laugh when people talk about how good people can be, but without God, there is no good. Without God, there is no good. Why do we have racism? It's because we need Jesus. That is from the nasty in there. We need Jesus. You know, the Me Too movement, women getting abused and put down. Why do we have that? Because the heart is nasty and it needs Jesus. It's amazing. I always laugh, oh, people are really good. No. No, we got to guard that heart because we are not good. Our hearts need major checks and balances. Our hearts need Jesus. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, I want to get into the, the text that I want to kind of draw some things out of. Genesis chapter 3, I want to look at Eve and, and, and how she kind of had her heart get attacked in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. It says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Verse 2, Of course we may eat from the tree in the garden, the woman said. It was the, free, the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it, or you will die. Verse 4, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes are going to be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. So verse 6, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he was obedient and ate it too. At verse 7, at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Verse 8, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walk into the garden, so I hid. I was afraid I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord said, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, oh, it was a woman you gave me. <laughs> We've been using that excuse since day one right there. That's not a new one. That's not a new one. Uh, it was a woman you gave me, ate the fruit. Verse 13, then the Lord asked the woman, what have you done? Ah, oh, the serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Verse 14, then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed. So let's set this up here. Eve was the original first lady. I mean, that's, that's, that's who she was. Uh, she fell in love with a man named Adam. Uh, out of all the men in the world, she chose him. They obviously met, started dating when they were young, must have been high school sweethearts. Uh, we're just speculating here. She caught Adam's eye at a young age. Maybe it's the way she dressed. I don't know what he saw in her. Um, I think she was his first girlfriend, young love, whatever. When they started out, they had a perfect relationship, perfect marriage. Everything was perfect, no sin. I mean, could you imagine this, guys? I don't know if you have this trouble, but I don't know where to park. Every time my wife and I go to a restaurant, I'm an idiot. I park in the wrong spot. 
and she has to correct me. So a perfect, this was a perfect place where I could have parked in the right, I mean, that's how perfect this was. Sorry, that was personal. Uh, uh, life was good. <laughs> Bottom line is life was good till it wasn't. What happened? What happened? And I want to look at what happened to Eve. She didn't guard her heart, but what really happened? Number one, where it all starts is we question what God said. Did God really say? And this is where our hearts start going in the wrong direction. Anytime we start going, I don't, did God really say to forgive? You know, did God really say I can't look at that? Did God really say I can't talk like that? Did God really say? See, that when we start to when we start to question what God said, this should be a major red flag because this is where our hearts, where it starts seeping in and getting us going in the wrong direction. And then number two, the second thing that happens is we start listening to the wrong people, right? The serpent said, you won't die. Now, what was the serpent? What did he do? He agreed with her questioning God. So we start getting people that, that start agreeing with our questioning of God. Did God really say? We start to question God. Then we start surrounding ourselves with people that help us to question God. You know, you won't die. See, the wrong people will mess us up. Our heart is lying to us, and then we get people around us that affirm that lie. That's a scary way to live because our hearts will lie, and people will lie even more. Number three, then we start to think God's holding me back from something. This is the process, right? I don't agree with what God said. I find people that help me not agree with what God said. And then I start to think, you know what? God's holding me back from something. God's hold, God is keeping me from something. And it said, because it said here, you will be like God, knowing both good, good and evil. And to me, this is the greatest lie that I'm, I'm missing out on something that I'm not experiencing something. And really, what makes this lie so good is it's partial truth. You are missing out on something. And what it is, is it's the knowledge that you wished you didn't have until you have it. See, there is a knowledge. When, you, when your heart takes you down a certain course, there's a knowledge you acquire when you cross that line that you wish you did not have. I love what Mark Batterson said. He said, we think the forbidden fruit will solve our problems. In reality, it only complicates it. I love that. And then, ver and then the fourth one, our heart becomes convinced. See, did God really say, we get people around us, and then we start thinking, I'm missing out. I'm convinced this is what I need to do. See, there, there's where that heart determines the direction of our life. And it says the woman was convinced. That's it. In our minds, God's word isn't true, and we walk down that line. Well, then that's it, right? No, no, there's a whole other side to this thing. Then what happens? Number five, shame. Conviction. We get frustrated with where our heart has taken us, the course that we've taken. We so what did what did they do? They hid. They hid. For, it said God was walking. They hid from the Lord. And I tell you, when we cross that line, we get convinced, and we cross that line. Our heart takes us somewhere. What is the first thing we do? We hide. We avoid church. 
We avoid people that might help us get back on the right path. We avoid, and a lot of times what we think is people are judging us when really that's just the conviction in our heart. That's the shame that we're feeling. You know, Adam and Eve, God's judging me. No, 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 that, that's the shame. He's like, whoa, I didn't, what are y'all, why are y'all? Ah, y'all must have done this. You know, that's what he did. Then number five, what do we do? We make excuses right? The shame hits, and then we start to make excuses and justify why we let that in our heart and justify why we went down that path. And then the last one, number seven, we feel the consequences, just like it said that they were cursed. They felt the consequences. What happened? Did Eve get bored? What, what happened? Did she get complacent? What happened? Bottom line is everything was perfect. She wasn't hurt. There was no hurt. You couldn't blame it on the upbringing. There was no upbringing. You know, what, what, what happened, bottom line, she didn't guard her heart. She didn't guard our heart. See, when we find ourselves going against what God said, we're heading down a dangerous course. It starts with, did God really say, I don't agree with the word on this. I think that's irrelevant. Well, our culture's different from their culture. Well, this is just the way that I feel. See, how many times do we do the same thing that Eve did, where it just creeps into our heart a little bit, and then it opens this massive doorway of going in the wrong direction, and we don't realize it until we're feeling the guilt and the shame and the consequences and making the excuses. So what, what is it for us? For, for Eve, it was temptation, and that, that was kind of the, the, the way that she went, went down that course. But for us, it could be anger getting in and just, quote unquote, justified anger. We really were hurt. We re, you know, that really was. I mean, I could see why you're frustrated here. You know, what is it for us that is leading us to get off the path or the direction that God has called us to? And what do we need to guard against? I love what Stephen Furtick said. He said, don't let what is on you kill what is inside of you. Don't let what is on you kill what is inside of you. Because that's what happened to Eve. Temptation was on her, and it killed what God was doing inside of her in that moment. Obviously, there was a process of restoration. Obviously, she got back on the right path. But see, the thing that is on us, we need to guard against because it'll kill what God is trying to grow in us. See, the bottom line is every single one of, in this, of, of, of us in this room was created uniquely and specially and gifted with unique talents and a purpose. Now, you're like, I don't see that. It doesn't, the cool thing is it doesn't matter whether we see it. It doesn't matter whether we realize it. It doesn't matter whether we understand it. It's in there. And that's how cool the grace of God is, right? It says his gifts and counts are without repentance. They're in there. But there can be things in our heart that are blocking us from being used by the Lord. There is ministry in you. There are people that God wants to use you to heal and help in their lives. But, but, but if our hearts aren't guarded, if they're sitting there with that anger, Anger, where we aren't able to minister because our course is being determined by anger and not ministry. See, there is leadership in you. There, there are gifting, there's creativity, there are dreams in you. There's generational legacy in you. What if you are 16 years old right now and it's your great grandkids because of your legacy is going to be passed down? See, we always think about right now and our problems right now, but we don't think about 50 years from now. See, we got to get a long-term view for what God is going to do as I guard my heart and as my generation below me goes off and does. You don't even know. 
What if your great-grandkid is like, my great-granddad, he was this, he was that, my great-grandma, she was this, and that's why I'm this today. See, there's generational legacy in you, but we got to guard our heart. Maybe for you, you're at 60%, and God wants you at more. God's got more for you. God's got more in you. See, what is in you? Because what is on you is trying to take out what is in you. See, that temptation that's on you is trying to take out what God is building in you. That hurt, that hurt that is on you is trying to take out that gift that God has placed in you. See, the, the enemy wants to divide. God, you think, do, you think the, do you think the enemy wants great marriages? No. And so he's going to start getting a wedge in there. Oh, Katie's like this. Steven, he wants to get a wedge in between Melissa. He wants to get a wedge in between. See, the enemy doesn't like that. What is on you is trying to kill what is in you. So what's on us? What's on us? Stress? Stress? Is it stress just from natural things going on around us? Or is it stress from an unrealistic job description? See, what, what's on us? Shame and regret? What, what's on us? Loneliness, fear, insecurity? Is insecurity just, it just stays in there, just eats that heart. And so it determines the direction. I, I can't go here because I'm not good enough. And so I, we just hide like Gideon in a wine press. You know, you know see, confusion, uncertainty, change. You know, we always look at people that graduate high school and we're like, man, that's a big change in their life. But all of us go through different graduations in our life from not having kids to having kids to thank God the kids are gone to, you know what I'm saying? We all have these, sorry, that, that got personal there. You know, we all have these, these stages and, and we can go, who am I anymore? You know, I, I, I'm, I used to be this and I'm not that anymore. And so now who am I now? These things get in our heart and they determine our direction. Here's what we need to know. Whatever it is that's on us, it's a season. Whatever it is that's on us, it's a season. Look at the person next to you and say, it's a season. It's just a season. This isn't permanent. We don't need to let this thing get in our heart and take us out. It's just a season. We're going to get to the other side of this if we don't let it take our hearts out. Here's what I want to do. I want to throw three options or three strategies out there for us today to guard our hearts. And then I want us to be able to worship here today. I want to throw out three options or three strategies. And if you're a cheerleader in here, this is going to be really easy for you. Go, fight, heal. I know you just wanted to say when. Go, fight, heal. I actually didn't realize that until I was talking. Go, fight, heal. The first one, go. Go. We have to guard against ruts and apathy and quitting. When things hit our heart, the first thing we want to do, see what, 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 what did Eve and Adam do? They hid, right? I want to hide. I don't want to go. I want to stop. I, I, I want to quit. See, we think the, the first thing when something hits our heart, it doesn't matter anymore, right? The numb, the, I don't, the apathy, I don't care. I don't matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. I'm comfortable with where I'm at. I'm going to stay right here. See, when things aren't right, our first instinct is to quit, to freeze, to be paralyzed. We're stuck. You know, maybe you're burned out. Maybe your schedule's been just so crazy and so crazy and so crazy. And eventually, you just can't take it anymore. And it's just mm, done. Done. You were hard charging. You were doing great things. But just done. 
Maybe you've gone through something so difficult, it just, it, that was so difficult, I don't even care anymore. Done. We can even get to a place, does it even matter if I'm here? Will anybody even miss me? You know what? That was so difficult, what I went through, I don't even care if they do. I mean, that... Think about the dark places our hearts can get to with the things that we go through. This is real. A difficult family situation, you go through that long enough, I'm done. I'm out. It's over. I mean, that, we, we stop wanting to go. I don't want to go anymore. Fear and anxiety can be so paralyzing. I'm stuck in my house. I can't leave the house. You know, and, and we, we live in a culture now that makes it even easier. You don't even have to live your house. You can live a whole world, people deliver. I think out here they like drone it to your house. I don't know, y'all are, are different. We live in the country, we don't have that, uh, you know. But, but, you know, it can be so paralyzing. I'm not even leaving my house. But stopping is the worst thing we can do. Quitting's the worst thing we can do. Staying in a rut is the worst thing we can do. Come on, I want to encourage you, don't wait for it to be perfect before you go. Don't wait for you to feel it before you go. Don't wait to be worthy enough before you go. Don't wait to be healed enough before you go. We got to go. We got to go. And I don't know what go means for you. I don't know if it means change it, survive it, lead it better. I don't know. But what I do know is we got to go. We got to go. Don't live there. It's been two years. It's been three years. It's been six months. It's been five years. It's been 10 years. See, we can be paralyzed where we're at. I love Philippians 3, 12. It says, not that I've already attained it or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I don't consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind me and I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, we can't stay where we're at. We gotta guard by going. We gotta guard by going. Our flesh nat naturally stops, but we gotta keep going. And we got to keep growing. See, I can't see it, but we're growing. I can't see it, but we're growing. Every time we're in church, we're moving forward. Every time we're walking with God, we, we're making those changes. We got to guard against, number one, ruts, apathy, and quitting. We got to go. We got to go. Number two, we got to fight. We got to fight. We got to guard against the temptation and the lies. We got to fight the lies that are sitting in our heads. We got to fight those lies that are in our heads. Man, I'm telling you, that head game can take us out. It gets in there, and I'm telling you, once again, we're the best liars to ourselves. We can convince ourselves that we're not good enough. I mean, we sit in, I mean, and it just beats us up. First Timothy 6, 12 says, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tight. Listen to those action words. Hold tight to the eternal life to which God has called you to, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. We've declared, I'm a Christ follower, so i got to fight like a Christ follower. Come on, we got to listen to what the Word is saying over our lives. I love 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish. Listen to those words. We demolish arguments, arguments in our heart, arguments in our mind, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive. See, that's an action 
and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, I cast that thought out. No, that's not who I am. No, I'm not letting anger get down in there. I am not letting anxiety paralyze me to where I can make no difference in other people's lives. Come on. I'm going to fight. I'm taking that thought captive. we got to fight. Don't accept it. Take that that, take that thought captive. See, we tell ourselves, we look in the mirror, and I mean, well, we are so critical of ourselves. We think people are critical. We look in the mirror, we just start tearing ourselves down, whether it's physically, whether it's spirit, you know, emotionally, you know, I'm terrible, I'm nothing. We start tearing ourselves. We got to take those thoughts captives. We got to quit lying to, we, you, you, you lie and you tell yourself, they hadn't had me speak in three years at that church. I must not be a good speaker. You know, these are the lies I'm sure all of us are telling ourselves. You see what can happen. God, that was personal. Uh. Come on, let's get real though. No one loves me or ever will. No one will miss me. God messed up when he created me. Come on, let's get real. Let's get real of the lies that we tell ourselves. We gotta fight. We gotta fight. And it's easy to say, you know, I just don't feel it. We don't fight because we feel it. We fight till we feel it. That's what the fight is all about. The fight is that heart got numb. And so I've got to fight to get that ground tilled up, to get that heart back to where it was. Come on, you remember? I, I remember a time. And, and for me, I think it was just busyness. But I remember a time to where I no longer cried. I used to watch a movie and cry. I was the movie crier. Melissa and I went and watched that Kurt Warner movie, uh, whatever it was, the American Kurt Warner movie. You know what I'm saying. It was a football movie. I'm sitting there. He's like picking up the, the, the woman's kid, and I'm bawling. I'm like, this is so funny. But there was a time to where I no longer cried. And I was like, whoa. I got to fight for that heart again. I got to get that heart back. I got to get back. I can tell that that used to not be me. Now, I always tried to be brave, right? When, when I watch a movie, I try, I, I don't want Melissa to know I'm crying because I'm, I'm tough, you know, but, but she'll always, and then she giggles at me and that makes it even worse. I don't like that, but, you know. But our hearts can get numb where we're not hurting for people anymore, where we're not hurting to help anyone anymore. And that it, we got to fight to get our heart back. We've got to fight in prayer. We've got to fight in the Word. Maybe we've got to fight in repentance. Maybe i got to get in there and i got to repent. Maybe we've got to fight in forgiveness. Oh, it, it may be a process, but maybe, maybe we've let unforgiveness settle in our heart. and We've got to fight for, for, for forgiving other people. I don't know what it is. Maybe we got to fight by asking for help. I don't know how to fight. That's why you get in a life group. You meet somebody that knows how to fight, and you see them fighting. You're like, I don't know how to fight. Can you help me fight? See, we, I, we've got to learn how to fight. You know, for me in my life, uh, my youth pastor, my friends, my, uh, uh, my mom fought for me when I didn't know how to fight for myself. And sometimes fighting means telling other people, I don't know how to fight, and I need help fighting. Teach me how to fight. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, trying to put things in our heart to take us out. 1 Corinthians 4, 20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. See, God has placed power inside of us. We have Jesus in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We can fight. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We have the power. We can fight this thing that's attacking us. It's an attack. 
It's attack on strong families. It's attack. Do you think the enemy wants this church to be unified and for y'all to go out these doors and start witnessing to people and getting people in your job? Do you think the enemy wants you to be such a Christ follower that people know it and they're impressed that you're not a hypocrite and they want to know what you got? Do you think, no, the enemy doesn't want that. So he's trying to keep you from fighting. We got to fight. Guard against temptation and the lies in our head. We got to fight. And then the last one, number three. Another way to guard our heart is we got to heal. For some of us, we need to go. We're stuck. For some of us, we've quit and we need to go. We got to go. For some of us, we need to fight. We've stopped fighting in our head. It's just, it's taking us out. It's taking us out, and we forgot we have the power of Jesus Christ to fight. We forgot how to fight. We, we, maybe we've never learned how to fight, but for some of us, we got to heal. For some of us, we got to heal, and what happens when we get hurt is that gets in our heart, and then we believe we've been victimized, and then we become a victim of that, and we need to heal. You know, it, it, it's, it's okay to... Be, we can be victimized, but we don't have to play the victim. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been wrong too. Bottom line is not maybe. We, we've all been hurt. And here's the thing. We can be the victim or the victor. I remember I shared this in first service. It was about four or five years ago. God, Melissa and I were just experiencing some difficult times that we were going through. And, and I remember going on a, on a hunting trip. I had, to, I had to take a time out, went on a hunting trip with Steve and Sean. Uh, Steve was more just there um, as we were hunting. But... Um, we, it, one of the nights we were all hanging out, and, and I remember we were just talking, and, and I was just sharing all those, those things, right? Those things that happened to me, and I was good at them. This and this and this and this and, uh, you, know, you know what I mean? You know, we, you know those things that happened to us? We put on repeat. You know, we don't play the whole album. We play the one song, and we, get, we, we sing it louder. Like, uh, you know, I mean, that's what I was doing, and I was singing it to Steve. Not really, but I was telling him what I was going through. And he looked at me, and you know, Steve's usually so quiet and soft and nice, and, and, and this one moment, God took over him, and he got, he got tough, and he said, he said, are you a victim or a victor? I remember that. He said that. I said, I ain't no victim. Then he said, you're acting like one. Ah, it hurt, man. It was supposed to heal, but it hurt. But he was right. And I wasn't taking victory. Yes, it happened to me. Yes, there were things that I was working through. It wasn't ignoring that, wasn't talking about that. Okay, but what are you going to do now? Because you're not guarding your heart. And it's determining the course of your life. And I needed a moment that began a healing process. That didn't heal me. That hurt me what it did. You know. But it began a process. It begins a process of there's some things in there that need to heal. There's some things in there that need to heal. And over time, I got my heart back. Over time, I got ministry back in my heart. Over time, I started to love people again. See, Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Come on, let the word heal you. Psalms 107, 19 says, They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely he has borne our 
our griefs, I love the amplified version, our sickness, our weakness, our distress, and carried our sorrows, our pains of punishment, and with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Healing. What do we need? What do we need with healing? Do we need a time out? Do we need a weekend away? Do we need a spiritual weekend if it's a marriage thing? Do we need a marriage weekend? Do we need a restful weekend? Do we need regular moments with a professional counselor? Do we need a major change, a minor change, a difficult conversation with great friends that will say ugly things and have you back in their church five years later? What, what is it for you? Is it forgiveness? We have been unwilling to give. The bottom line is though hurt will get in there and we don't let it heal. We can't let go of what we're holding on to. We can't let go of what we're holding on to. And in, in order to heal, the first thing we got to do is start letting go and allow healing. Yes, it takes time. We're making it sound way easier than it is, but it has to have a beginning in order to have a process. It has to have a beginning in order to have a process and for God to take us back to that soft heart that heart that hurts for people, that heart that hurts for our family, that heart that hurts for other people. Let's bring this together. In this life, let's, let's, let's bottom line be real. Our hearts are going to get hit. Some hit stick, some tear, some bleed, some scar. Some we cause, most we don't cause. Most are caused by other people in our lives. In, in Proverbs 4, Solomon challenges us to guard those things above. He says, above the justification of why I am the way I am. Above why I made that decision. Yes, here's why I made that decision. And no one really would argue that. But Solomon says, above that, we're going to have to guard that thing. Above that, we're going to have to take that thing and cast it out. We're going to have to take that thing and say, you know what? I'm not holding on to that anymore. I'm God. Yes, I'm ready to give it to you and allow healing to take place. Yes, God, I've quit. Yes, I've stopped, but I, okay, I'm ready to start going again. I'm ready to start fighting again. Yes, these mental games have taken me out. The temptation has taken me out. These things that I say about myself have just taken me out and taken me out, and now I'm ready to fight. You know, I, need, I don't know how. I need some people around me to fight. But he said, above all else, above that thing, guard it. Above that thing, because here's the bottom line. When our hearts aren't right, we're not right. When our hearts aren't right, it's not right. When our heart's not right, we're not going in the direction that God has called us to be. Don't let what is on you kill what is in you. Don't let the enemy lie to you and say there's nothing in you. Don't let the enemy tell you you don't matter and that it's not in there. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. If God said it, it's there. If he said it, it's there. If he said it, it's there. And so don't let what's on you, these things that we pick up that are just on us, that are temporary, that we're going through, kill what is in there. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.